It's time for JT the Brick. How are we doing? Baby, I'm great. JT, how are you doing? I'm not a journalist. I'm an opinionated sports talk host. We have a goal. We have ideas. We know exactly what we want to do here. Just win, baby. The Raiders' schedule is brutal. It's a second-place schedule that's front-loaded heavy and back-loaded heavy. The fans of the Raider Nation. Sound off like you got a pair. JT the Brick. I'm talking about the notorious ones, the out-of-control fans, the passionate fans. All of you fans are invited to be a part of the show. I'd like you to come in big and come in with a purpose. And that's it. Use the phone like a weapon. Enjoy everything we do, and please always feel welcome to call in and to tweet and to be a part of the show. Fair enough? And now, here's JT the Brick. All right, out of the gate, JT in studio today. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah, everybody. I hope you and your family have a tremendous Holiday season here. This is our last show of the week. We have the pregame tomorrow at M Resort as we kick off the Raiders on Christmas Eve against the Pittsburgh Steelers. So from my family to your family, thank you very much for everything. It doesn't feel like a year-end show. It's not. We have programming next week uh, heading into New Year's Eve. But it has that feel today as people are out on the road doing some late Christmas shopping, running some grocery store errands, and wrapping up their week, holiday parties and all that. And again, from all of us here, thank you so much for being with us all year long. It was a very dramatic year when it came to Raiders Radio. It really was, looking back on all this and trying to absorb everything and think back of what happened this year. And there's some optimism going into this game tomorrow night. I'm really excited about it. Last week I told you the number one game of the year I had circled was the Patriot game and the Raiders won. And now this game keeps the Raiders alive. They are mathematically alive. And really, there's a good storyline behind them. They didn't get help last night with Jacksonville winning because Jacksonville owns a tiebreaker over the Raiders because the Raiders were up 17-0 in Jacksonville. Should have buried them by 30. Didn't win that game. So if the Raiders miss out on the playoffs because they fought all the way back and Jacksonville beats them with the tiebreaker and the same record, you're going to know the answer to that. But the Jets lost. The Jets are a train wreck. And I want to lead with that as we start off the show. Christmas, you should be a glasses half full person. On radio, I tend to be glasses half empty. But around this time of year, we have a lot to be thankful for. I look back at the season, and I'm looking around the league with other teams and the mess that other teams are in. I mean, the Raiders have a better record than the world champs. I mean, the Raiders, we know what their record should be. We know how dramatic it was in all these losses. I think the Raiders have some really good players, uh, some very good coaches, really good executives here to build something special in years to come. I actually believe that. You know I believe that. You just don't like it from time to time. You kind of believe it or you don't, but you're very you're very up and down, like the ocean tides. You're happy one day, you're not the other. You're pissed off one day, you're euphoric after the win. I get that. I'm the same way. A lot of highs and lows this year for the Raiders. But we've seen what the Raiders can do and what they should do, and we've dissected every game. Let me remind you, this team started off 0-3 by losing 24-19, 29 to 23 in overtime and 24 to 22. Okay, those are the first three games of the year, 0 and 3. We know the Arizona game, that's the game we want back. That's the game we want back. You can't get it. The Titans game, ball goes through the end zone at the one yard line through Waller's hands. What could have happened in that game? You never know. They swept the Broncos. They had Kansas City beat, they lost 30 to 29. They lost 30-29 to to one of the best teams in football. And then they went into the bye week at 1-4. and four. At 1-4, and four, the season looked dead. 
absolutely dead. I had people on this broadcast calling for the coach's head, calling for the coach to be fired before the bye week, actually. And then coming out of the bye week, the team blew the biggest opportunity they had in the entire NFL. No team blew a bigger window than the 2022 Las Vegas Raiders from October 30th to November 13th. At New Orleans, 24 to nothing loss. At Jacksonville, 27 to 20 loss. Home to Indianapolis, 25 to 20 loss. That put the rec- record at 2 and 7. You think they were dead before the bye week? You remember what those shows sounded like? At 2 and 7, then the Raiders went on a run. And the Raiders should be on a five-game winning streak, but they lost a Baker Mayfield game up 16 to 3. They lost that game 17-16. They fought back and beat New England on the Chandler Jones play to get to 6-8. and eight, And now we preview the Pittsburgh Steelers. So the head coach will join me at the top of the hour. We'll discuss what it's going to take to go in there and how you win this game. I have dissected the numbers on this team as close as I have for any game this year. And this is one of those games, again, that the Raiders have to win and they should win. They are so much better than Pittsburgh. I don't want to hear about Franco. I don't want to hear about the weather. This team was dead. The Steelers were dead. They got the same record as the Raiders, and the Raiders' offense is so much more advanced and and dived into and better than than the Pittsburgh Steelers. This shouldn't be a contest. They should blow this team out. If you put this team in a dome, played in a parking lot, no matter where they played, the Raiders should win by double digits, in my opinion. But the Steelers are at home. The weather's going to be ice cold. And you never know what's going to happen in this scenario 50 years ago today, the Immaculate Reception. So I, I can't sit here and be confident. The Raiders are the underdog, but not by much. That's because they're on the road in the cold, and they have to travel to go do it as they're taking off here within the next hour or so. But I look at the numbers here. For the Pittsburgh Steelers, their total offense is 26th in the league. Let's stop right there. The Raiders' defense is 24th. They're not very good, and this offense for the Steelers is worse than the Raiders' defense. And the Raiders' defense has been stepping up the last couple of weeks. They have been stepping up the last couple of weeks. The Steelers' pass offense is 24th in the league. The Raiders' pass defense is 26th. So it's kind of a wash there because the Raiders don't have a good secondary when it comes to stopping the pass. We've talked about the soft zone over the middle of the field. So the Raiders have a problem here, but fortunately they're playing the Steelers and they're not playing Kansas City, who's coming up here in a couple of weeks. Another stat that jumps out at me when I look at this game, all these stats and rankings here, the Pittsburgh Steelers' rush defense is ranked 7th. That's one of the best in football. They give up 109 yards a game. Josh Jacobs does that usually every game in his sleep, most likely more. Josh Jacobs leads the league in rushing with 1,495 yards. Najee Harris is pretty good. He only has 790. So the way this game is setting up for me is really simple. I'm going to try to keep this monologue really simple and get you to call in at 702-365-9200. They're going to try to stop the run more so than any game this year. That's what Mike Tomlin does. That's what their defensive front does. That's what it says here with their categories and what they do defensively. 
They can't stop the pass. They can't. They can't stop the pass. They're not very good at that. And the Raiders have Derek Carr, who's very good in the passing game. I just saw this stat, and it blew me away about Derek. When you look at the numbers that Derek has, he's second in the NFL only to Geno Smith with 10 games with two touchdowns or more. That's ahead of Aaron Rodgers, Joe Burrow. It's ahead of Josh Allen of Buffalo. Derek Carr's ahead of that. So Derek Carr's only behind Geno Smith, who has 11 games of two touchdowns or more. So as we're looking at the scenario, and I put it out in front of you, Derek Carr has to have a monster game in the cold weather. Derek Carr must have a big game in the air, even though you don't know if you like that scenario or not. The Raiders have been super conservative, in my opinion and your opinion, on offense this year. I don't know why. I believe they've been conservative because of the injury to Renfro and Waller. Because you can't be this conservative if you have Waller and Renfro. You can't. You can be very conservative if you have the leading rusher in the league. They do. And you have the number one slot receiver we think to be out most of the year. And Darren Waller, the biggest target who demands a double team, not available for most of the year. Now you understand how this team could be conservative running the ball on first and second down. Throwing under the chains, not over the chains on third down. You can understand why that has happened. That has to stop. That has to stop tomorrow. It has to stop. It has to be aggressive, balls out, and they have to play fast. As Tashawn Reed reported in The Athletic, the amount of time that the Raiders spend in the huddle and getting the playoff under two seconds, it's incredible. They're doing that for a reason. Josh McDaniels is the smartest offensive mind, arguably, in football. He is. Kyle Shanahan doesn't have six Super Bowl rings. Josh McDaniels does. Josh McDaniels couldn't have worked with Tom Brady for all those Super Bowls if he was dumb and he didn't understand football. Tom Brady would have thrown him out of New England. Josh McDaniels is a really good, historic play caller. And I believe the offense has been held back because of the lackluster offensive line and the injuries. Do you all agree with me on that? Seriously, I want to know if you agree with me on that, because you might not. Okay, but how could you disagree with me on that? Why would one of the greatest offensive minds of all time, fact, not fiction, with a nine-year veteran quarterback, have these conservative numbers on offense that are okay, but they aren't great? It's got to be injuries and certain players not comfortable in the system yet. Either they're not smart enough Wink, wink. They can't figure it out. Or they're playing conservative because they want to learn how to win because they're only learning how to lose after that herocious start. That's the way I see it. So everything I just said comes down to this. This is all I got today. This is my A-plus game. They have got to play outside the box in this game. They have got to be unique in this game. Now, if they show a camera video from the field and it's 30-mile-an-hour winds, and there's snow dust going into Derek Carr's face, disregard everything I said. Disregard everything I said. But at some point, they're going to have to throw. Eli Manning beat Brett Favre in one of the coldest games of all time. He threw the ball. Eli Manning, a Super Bowl quarterback. Derek Carr hasn't won a playoff game. Eli Manning won two Super Bowls, two NFC Championship games. Eli Manning played in a lot colder weather than Derek Carr's ever seen in his life. Consistently. 
And Eli was able to do it and knock Brett Favre out of the playoffs. You can do it in cold weather. Got to hold on to the ball. You can't catch it and drop it because it's cold. You can't fumble it because it's cold and the ball comes out a little bit easier. But everything tells me in this game, here's why I'm pissed off about this game. I didn't want to be, as I told Bobby, holiday show, right? Here's why. I wish this game was played in October or I wish this game was played in December in Vegas with both teams, same record in a dome. Because I'd be, I, my head would be popping off right now if the Raiders didn't throw for 400 yards and attack and, and do this. Because you can't run the ball on these guys. If you run the ball, if you're obvious on third and one and you want to run it into the wall of these guys, then just punt the ball on second down. Please, just punt the ball on second down if you're going to run it into a pile on third down. What is Derek going to be able to do inside and outside the pocket to attack downfield? Because every time I look, someone's open deep. Right? Every time I'm watching a game, Mac Hollins is behind the defense. And if Derek checks down to a four yard pass, I see Max Hollins as Bobby's nodding his head, running into the tunnel in the end zone wide open. Not all the time, but you know what I'm saying? There's someone open downfield. And last I looked, Derek's got a really good deep ball arm. He can throw the ball. So with all of this, I just hope that this team's season doesn't end on a conservative game plan in a cold weather game where they believe they got to run it all day because that's what they do, and they lose by two or three points because they didn't take enough shots. That's what I'm hoping doesn't happen. What I'm hoping happens is at some point in the third or fourth quarter, Derek goes no huddle, which feels like it's almost impossible. Derek plays up-tempo, which it feels like it's almost impossible unless they're down with 30 seconds left. And Derek just goes on this attack, attack, and they bury him and put him away. I believe the Raiders' offense has the ability to bury this team if they decide what they want to do. And the weather is the only disclaimer I'm putting in here. The only thing I'm saying is, look, I I think I know what the numbers tell me. I'm pretty good at the numbers in football math. Been doing this a while. The football math tells me in this game, you better go four wide with Waller, Renfro, Devontae, and Hollins or whoever you want. You better attack this team. And the ball better come out. Because if Derek's holding on to the ball a little bit longer, he will get sacked by one of these guys up front. They have a really good front. So that's it. I think this is a make or break for the Raiders. It's an elimination game. If they want to get on that plane and come back on Christmas Eve, which will be Christmas while they're in the air, they'll be in the air over Christmas with a win. Coming home, I promise you I could put together a game plan to beat Brock Purdy. I promise you that. I promise you I can put together five radio shows or four on how to beat Brock Purdy at home in a must-win elimination game. But if we come in and Brock Purdy is playing for a higher seed and the Raiders are eliminated and there's Niner fans all over the place because you're thinking about not going, I don't got much to go for. I am unloading everything I have today in this hour before we have the coach and a Raiders roundtable. I'm very excited about the opportunity that the Raiders are alive. I wish the Raiders already were in the playoffs. Funny thing, everybody, at a minimum, at a minimum, not being a homer, the Raiders should have nine wins. And, man, with all due respect, please take this the right way. It's going to come out wrong. If they just took care of business in the collapse games and had nine wins, y'all would be quiet. You wouldn't be trolling the coach on Facebook. You wouldn't be trolling me when I put up the picture of me and the coach. You'd all be silenced. I wouldn't hear a peep out of you. But the Arizona game, the Baker Mayfield game, the Jeff Saturday game, and the 17-0 Jacksonville game has got everybody still unhinged heading into the holidays. 
well, let's get rid of all that and beat the Steelers on the 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. I am ready to go. Kirk in Vegas, start us off here. Appreciate you calling. Merry Christmas to you. How are you? Hey, I'm good. I love your enthusiasm. Can you hear me all right? I hear you loud and clear. Okay, so, dude, I've been 65 years old. I was a Raider Nation back in the Madden days. But before I get going with you about the Raiders and the 49ers, okay, I want to talk about Stephen A. Smith. I know you got a problem with him. I got a big problem. No, I don't have a problem with him at all. No, no, I don't. He's a friend of mine. Goodbye. 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 No, he's not. He's a friend of mine. It's Stephen A. I'm calling him racist and all that. He couldn't be more wrong. I worked with him for years. I text him every day. We're friends. He gives me shout outs on first take all the time. So please don't ever call my show ever about anybody being racist. Save that for the racist podcast and the unhinged people in media who will take your call. I, I was excited about that phone call. I thought that guy had some pretty good energy, and then he imploded in some Stephen A. Smith conspiracy theory about something. So that will that will not be here. Fish in Berkeley. Fish, happy holidays. Thanks for everything you do for our show. What's happening? Oh, JT, I appreciate you, and happy holidays to all of Raider Nation. Hey, they say the uh, weather outside it's going to be frightful, but car in a hurry up can be delightful. Now, look, there's a whole bunch of fancy offenses through the years that were up tempo the fun and gun, the K gun, the run and shoot. Well, you know what? We need to employ the carpool, the carpool offense express lane. What I want to see, if the weather permits, is at least one orchestrated drive per quarter where we're snapping that ball with at least 15 seconds on that play clock, okay? Carr is magical, deadly even, when you hurry that dude up and spread him out. Even if we go hurry up and have to run, if the weather predicates, we can only run the ball. But I would like to see some up, 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 up tempo. Hurry up, express lane, carpool offense, okay? McDaniels is a smart dude. I don't think the Steelers are expect, and I call them the Steelers, S-T-E-A-L, the immaculate deception. But enough of that right now. Hey, hurry it up, even if you have to run the ball. I want to see a fast-paced game. We will leave Pennsylvania with a W and our hopes intact for the holiday season. After the Hanukkah miracle, we need to steal a game in Steel City. Hey, show up. Show out. And holler, just win, baby, when you go out later. Thanks, Fish. When you look at the Steelers' defense, they're pretty good. Alex Highsmith has 11 sacks. Max Crosby has 11 and a half. Max Crosby has three forced fumbles. Alex Highsmith has five. Okay, so those two guys cancel each other out. Minka Fitzpatrick, four interceptions. Levi Wallace, three. Okay, the Raiders don't have anyone over two in Deron Harmon. They have some guys. Cameron Hayward is a beast. And T.J. Watt, with his injuries this year, didn't put up the numbers that are expected. Their defense is well coached. It's always been good. You know, I look back at the Raiders in this series and what they've been able to do. The last time the Raiders played them there, when you look at the numbers here, they beat Ben Ben Roethlisberger, excuse me. Okay, the Raiders have been in that building over the history, and they've gotten out of there with some wins. Now they have to do it again. They just have to have a game where they're explosive early and they kind of take the crowd out of the game. The crowd, I don't know what the crowd's going to be like. Is it going to be somber because Franco died? Is it going to be louder because Franco died? I don't know. 
I think everybody's just going to be in their seats. I think those are the fans that are in their seats. They're not up at the club with the bottle of bub. Can I have another bottle of tequila, please? That hot girl over there is looking at me. I'd like to get her number. Can I have a bottle of tequila, please? That's not happening in Pittsburgh. They're bundled up. They got their hand warmers. They got their down coats, and they're going crazy. Got to take them out of the game. And the only way to do that is to open up and play fast. Don't turn it over. Don't turn it over. And look, if Josh Jacobs is running it well, stay with the run. I'm just saying I've watched every Raider game this year. They're normally trailing or have a lead that they're blowing. And at some point, who comes to the rescue? Derek Carr with some bomb to Keelan Cole, some bomb to Devontae. Let's get the bomb early. Let's get the bomb going early in this game. Hardcore Raider. Happy holidays. Thanks for calling. We appreciate you. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah to you, your family, Raider Nation, everybody else putting out uh, great content for us, you know. Um, you know, uh, Max Crosby got interviewed the other day. He said something about, uh, you know, uh, a, a name that I, you know, tried to coin, but that was the lateral exception. Uh, you know, I called the Rich Eisen show, and that was uh, one of the names I said. I think it's a great name, not just because I thought of it. But, you know, I'm going to call this game coming up, I'm going to call it uh, the Immaculate Elliott Ice Bowl. Because uh, it's going to be brisk. You know, the autumn wind is brisk right now, Raiders. But you know what? You guys can go out and you can win this game. You can do it for yourselves, your family, for Raider Nation. We're going to pound that rock right up there. You know what? And not just that, you know, people don't want to dink and dunk. But I tell you what, we need it. We need it. We need it. We need it. We need to dink and dunk with Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro, Devontae Adams. I don't care what they got to do. But we can win this game. I believe it. Something's going to happen in this game. It's going to be remembered and Raider Nation will forever remember this game, this cold game, and let's go Raiders. Thank you for the call. Yep, I think that that's what has to happen. There's got to be something memorable that happens in this game. And the same thing with the Steelers. The Steelers this year, what a you know, the Steelers don't have a good record. The Steelers, they always have a good record with Tomlin. They're battling the final week of the year with Baltimore every year. They've broken a new quarterback. They've suffered injuries. They haven't had a good season. All they're trying to do is get back to 500 and then pass it and end the year. It's exactly the same boat, exactly the same boat that the Raiders are in. Actually, I thought the Raiders were a better team, so Raider fans should be a little bit more disappointing with the record. The Steelers knew coming into the season, they knew coming into the season, drafting Kenny Pickett in the first round, that this was going to be a step back. I mean, the great Ben Roethlisberger retired. Come on. We know what was going to happen. This is a reset. The Raiders kind of had a reset, too. Because when Dave Ziegler took over this team and looked at the roster and looked at the former draft picks and said, whoa, nothing against the guys before me, but these guys are not the guys. And that's why he took the job. Remember, Dave and Josh took the job with Mark Davis because they were vetted deeply into taking the team and deconstructing it and building it in their view. Dave Ziegler did not want John Gruden and Mike Mayock's team nor Jack Del Rio and Reggie McKenzie's. There's nothing wrong with it. They wanted their own team, and they were fortunate. They gave out a lot of money. They gave Waller money. They gave Renfro money. You know, Carr got his deal. Everybody got paid, except for Josh Jacobs, and I support their move not to pay him at the time because they needed to evaluate him. He didn't have a great year last year. Did everybody forget Josh Jacobs last year and the season he had? Nowhere near this season. And now Josh hopefully will get paid. Max Crosby got a massive contract. But those guys need a draft. They need one to two drafts. They need a massive offseason with the salary cap and free agency. And they got to rebuild the offensive line. 
And how many defenders do you think the Raiders want now? What would you think? Like, did you really think Damon Arnett and Garyon Conley and Tanner Muse and all these guys were going to be the cornerstones of the team? Come on, where, where's everybody been? They had to gut this defense and then let Patrick Graham have a bunch of guys who isn't who aren't on top of his knowledge of football and then kind of take it down and build it up again. These aren't excuses. These are facts of what happened this year. It's a deconstruction of a roster while you're trying to win for the fans. You really don't think Josh McDaniels came in with this roster thinking he was going to win 12, did you? Well, guess what? He should have had nine already with three to go. 10 or 11 was really a, a, a solid goal if they didn't have those collapse games and blew all those leads, and that's hard to do in this league. That's why this year will be remembered for that. Even if they make the playoffs, we'll never forget this year for the blown leads, and that's something that can't happen again. Allen in Vegas, wrap up the monologue. How are you, Allen? Hey, JT. Happy holidays. You too. And Merry Christmas to you and yours. Merry Christmas. You're right. Uh, regardless of the roster, regardless of the record, Steelers and Raiders always get it on every three or four years or every couple of years. It doesn't matter. This is a true rivalry, and both teams need to show up on Saturday and do it in honor of Franco and do it in honor of all the great games that they played in the 70s. And I hope McDaniels does not get conservative. He gets aggressive with his play calling and pass it off to Derek Carr and the offense. Just get aggressive and do it for Franco. I mean, he was a great, honorable Hall of Famer, and you got to do it for everybody in the NFL. This is it. I would agree. I just don't. I just don't know what the weather is going to be like. Again, I, if this was at Allegiant Stadium, I'd go down like the Titanic with my opinions on this game being super, super aggressive in the passing game, super aggressive on that. I just can't do that. I can't do that type of show with this weather. I got a couple of texts today. You know, I'm from back east. I'm from Long Island, New York, and I got my sisters and I got my brother-in-laws, and they're all trying to get to a certain spot for Christmas. And the text thread I'm on with everybody, and, and then my buddies in Buffalo, I'm on a couple of text threads. This is like never been seen before type stuff. And I'm like, I told my Buffalo guys, I'm like, what are you talking about? Didn't you have like the biggest storm ever? And he's, he gets back to me, he says, completely different. That was snow. This is just pure cold with wind coming. It's very dangerous. So, certain people, Midwest, back east, can't even get in their cars. They're not allowed on the road for Christmas and Christmas Eve. And then you get to Pittsburgh. And when I woke up this morning, I saw our good friend Lincoln Kennedy tweeted out, and Lincoln's great. Lincoln's had a great year. I really think, Lincoln, if you've been listening, I know you are. Lincoln tweeted out, excuse me, put on Facebook today in downtown Pittsburgh. It's going to be one of those days I'll just stay in my room. Nine degrees, low of negative one, wind chill warning until 12 p.m. Saturday. So maybe that wind chill warning's gone by game time, and there's no wind but it's very cold, then you can hopefully throw the ball in that weather. Monologue brought to you by PT's Best Happy Hour in Town. Last night at Barry Steakhouse at Circa, we had our annual dinner here with our partners at Golden Entertainment. Ross Godovin and the entire team, thank you for your business, your partnership. It's everything to me. It starts the show every day. 64-plus locations in the Valley. Get to a PT's over the holiday season for the Best Happy Hour in Town. JT, we open it up today. Let's go. Nine seconds before halftime. Shotgun snap. Car, plenty of time. Sidearms it. Front of the end zone. It's caught.
pull it. Mack Hollins at the goal line. Touchdown Raiders. He went low to make the grab on a sideline dart from Derek Carr. And the Raiders capitalize on the block punt to go up two touchdowns before halftime. That's Jason Horowitz on the call. I don't think the Raiders win the game without Coons blocking that punt. Clearly, just look at what happened in that game. That was big points that the Raiders needed. Merry Christmas, everyone. Happy Hanukkah. Happy holidays. We'll be back next week and tomorrow the pregame show at M Resort. Uh, We're thanking all of our guests who joined us in the grid every couple of weeks, every two weeks. Chris Matthews from 8 News Now, their great sports director and longtime friend. And, Chris, 50 years to the day, the immaculate reception. How about that for your appearance today? Well, I'll tell you what, I'm I'm honored to even be on this show, JT. We talk about that play, and thank you very much for inviting me on. I mean, when you think of that play, and as a kid, we we, we were both little kids. I was in elementary school, and... You know, you always kind of talk about some of the big plays, and that was certainly one of them. You grow up always talking to your buddies about that, talking in high school when you're playing sports. You talked about that play. You just kind of always remembered it. And and really one of the great plays in all of NFL history. I think it was actually voted number one. So it's going to be a big, big day. I wish I was in Pittsburgh, although it's going to be very, very cold. But it'd be kind of fun to be there and enjoy the atmosphere. And, boy, you think of of all the unfortunate and just – so sad that uh, that Franco Harris, a few days before they were going to honor him, retire the number and talk about that great experience with the Immaculate Reception. He passes away. Rest in peace, Franco Harris at 72, just way too young. But, uh, boy, one of the great plays, uh, JT. When, and you know that as well as I do. As a kid growing up, we always talked about those remarkable plays, and that was one that will always be seared in our minds for sure. Yeah, and the Raiders have so many name games, Chris, as we've talked about over the decades, and some of the most famous name games were losses, the tuck rule and the immaculate reception, but the wins, sea of hands, the Heidi game, the holy roller, all the big other moments. It's just incredible that one franchise can be a part. You know, When you hear this, it's real when Al Davis said, I want the greatest players to play in the greatest games. Win or lose, he had that over a long period of time. And even when the Raiders aren't great, they're not great this year. They had one of the greatest plays of all time last week with Chandler Jones. Yeah. You know what? You're right. When you think about all those great plays, and the, you talked about the tuck rule, it kind of catapulted the uh, Patriots onto some great things. And really the same thing with that immaculate reception following that uh, that season, that play, that kind of experience. The, the, the Steelers go on to have some great seasons. So, yeah, and that play last week was unbelievable. People – People are still talk, uh, stopping me in the malls when I'm out Christmas shopping and walking around. They're saying, "Can you believe that play? It was a, it'll be one of those plays that will go down in history as one of the all-time great single plays, not only in Raiders history, but the NFL history. Oh, so you're one of those dads who's already Christmas shopped, and I'm not one. So you, you're already <laughs> out there getting spotted Christmas shopping. The great Chris <laughs> Matthews joins us. Chris, it's been a roller coaster season, and you do your pregame television show, and you talk with Jay Schrader afterwards. When you look back on it there's still three football games left so there's plenty of big games and maybe the two marquee games on the schedule at home those games at home to finish the season will be fun and great for everybody to get together but it won't mean as much if the Raiders lose this game this is an elimination game imagine if they win any way possible and they're alive going into the 49er game oh that would be phenomenal to win this one tomorrow knock the Steelers, and then come home and you have the Niners and the Chiefs, two premier teams coming in. I mean, that would be fantastic just to keep that 
that hope alive, that dream alive for all of Raider Nation to think, hey, we still have a chance at a postseason bid. I mean, last year, who would have thought when they had to go go on that nice little run at the end of the season to uh, knock out the Chargers, how great would it be to, to have that similar situation this season when you maybe go into the Chiefs game knowing that, hey, if you beat the Chiefs, you're into the postseason. That, I mean, that, that kind of stuff is just so much fun. I don't, you know, if you're in the media, you're non-biased or whatever, you know what, I still want to cheer for and, and, and cover a winning team. That's what's most fun for, for all of us in the media. I, I mean, yeah, you're supposed to be non-biased and not cheer for a team, but you want the Raiders to win, obviously. You cover the Raiders. You want to have a postseason uh, team here. So I hope, they, I hope they win these games. Chris Matthews. Chris, kind of a little loose year in review. The UNLV football team fired a head coach in Marcus Arroyo. I like Marcus. I thought he had the recruiting on the right path going forward. They bring in Odom to try to rebuild this. Bobby Petrino is an incredible hire as a offensive coordinator. I mean, this guy could have been one of the great head coaches in college football, period. And then some personal transgressions, and he's gone through that, and he gets a fresh start with UNLV football. I think that's a hell of a hire for the head coach not to have to worry about the offense and also Petrino with his reputation to go out and recruit. No, that was a gigantic hire. And you gigantic. mentioned a lot of people were saying, man, he could have been the he could have been named the head coach and they would have been happy with that, thrilled with that. Now as the offensive coordinator, we had uh, Barry Odom on last week on our sports rap show that we do coming out of the NFL games on Sunday and we had Odom in there talking about Petrino and he says that he was so lucky. They've known each other for a while. They met through a, a relative and they've kind of stayed in contact and so when he called and said, Hey, would you be interested in something like this? He uh it wasn't. It wasn't one of those hang up the phone and no. They got talking and and it happened. And he said he is one of the brilliant minds, offensive minds in football, not just NFL or college football, but in football. This guy has a brilliant offensive mind, and he's coming to UNLV and coming to the Fertitta football complex with these new recruits and going to play over there at that fabulous Allegiant Stadium. How nice will it be? To have a guy like Petrino walking into your home and trying to convince your son or a uh, you know, big son to come play football here with the Rebels. I think there's just kind of a, I get kind of a different feel, a different vibe with this UNLV football staff and the way they're going about things. It just seems different to me. And I'll tell you what, I've seen a lot of different staffs roll through Las Vegas. Yeah, we're wrapping it up with Chris Matthews. When it comes to the Golden Knights not making the playoffs last year, and then having the best record in hockey along with Boston and New Jersey for most of this year. Then they're struggling at home. You know, hopefully a couple easy wins they can build off recently. But I like where the team is. Jack Eichel's going to come back healthy at some point, and they're going to get everybody at full strength. And this is a team that's powerful enough on defense. Goaltending is better than I thought. And then a superstar in Eichel, along with Marcia So, sky's the limit. I mean, this has got to be another cup run for this team, especially coming out of the West, depending on what Colorado does. I think they can come out of the West or at least get to the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, right now they're leading the Pacific, leading the West. They're number four in the NHL, the entire NHL, just a couple of points out of second. So this team, like you mentioned, get Eichel back. And don't forget Shea Theodore, the defenseman, get him back. There's a lot of points we're missing right there. And uh, this team has has all the star power to get back to the uh, the Western Finals playoffs and and see what happens there. It's going to be fun. Hey, and JT, don't forget, how about those running Rebels now? We'll let them know as they get ready for conference play. Kevin Kruger is amazing. Finally, last one going into next year. I can't believe what's going on with F1. I mean, you know about it. You're going to be covering it a lot. And then the Super Bowl comes after that. We talk about all these great moments recently in Vegas sports history. F1 might climb to number one or two 
You know, you look at this, it has the ability because of the financing behind it, the global eyeballs that are going to be here. I can't wait for that. I'm sure a lot of your content, Chris, next year, second half of the year coming off the summer is going to be F1. Oh, it'll be F1 for sure. In fact, we've already started scouting out different locations mm-hmm. to uh, to do big preview shows and take it through the year. In fact, I think what we're going to start doing is not only are we going to have a weekly uh, NFL leading up to the Super Bowl on Channel 8 here in Las Vegas, a weekly kind of a Super Bowl preview kind of deal. Ron Futrell's going to Arizona to grab a ton of interviews with the uh, the committee who's putting the deal together here in Las Vegas. We'll have all this content as we look to the Super Bowl coming, but F1, same thing. We've already started doing stories on the ground. They're moving around over there. they got big pillars now coming up with the four-story paddock and, and garage area that they're building over off of Koval, and it's I'll tell you what, it's so exciting to be in Las Vegas right now. And I believe as big as the Super Bowl is, this event will be bigger in terms of an international stage. It's going to be gigantic. People don't realize, you talk, I talked to some of the people on the committee there with F1. They even say they, don't, they, don't, they didn't realize how big this was. They went to Singapore to watch the night race in Singapore because it's going to be a night race here in Las Vegas with those fabulous lights of the casino shining down on on Las Vegas Boulevard is going to be so fantastic. That sphere will be uh, up and running, so they're going to go around that. Just a lot of fun stuff. This will be bigger than anything that Las Vegas has ever done or seen in its history, just by far and away. And you'll have it covered beautifully at 8 News Now. Chris, to your wife, your family, all your kids, uh, have a great Christmas. I appreciate everything you do for me. JT, thank you very much. Let me all wish your uh, viewers and all your or listeners, I should say, and you too, especially JT, a uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, and a Happy New Year to all of you guys. Thank you, Chris. There he is, Chris Matthews, one of the class acts in all of Vegas, no doubt about it. Big part of what we do here as we include him and our insiders because he's always there. He's always everywhere. And when he said it at the end about F1, the sphere going to be built, that's where U2 is going to have their residency. And as I go by the strip and see the sphere, and I love music. You know, priority in my life is music. I go to a lot of concerts. People say, JT, what show should I go to? I say, just wait for the concerts. There's a concert here every other weekend. When that thing's up and running and the quality of bands that are going to be in there, I don't know what it's going to cost or what it's going to look like, but still, when we have that happening, it's, the town is exploding. And every year, I just saw the Fountain Blue got their financing to finish $2.2 billion with a B for that. That's going to be there across from Resorts World. And, hey, good time to thank Resorts World, the most expensive property ever. On the Strip in Las Vegas, our proud partner where we host Monday Night Football at Doghouse, and you can catch us at Redtail with our remotes. That was a nice surprise. All the people that showed up, thanks to the black hole for our last remote out there, uh, heading into the last game against the Patriots. The Patriot game was fun. It really was fun. It was an enjoyable time to see all the fans that are out there, the T-Pain show and the tailgating out there. The weather was perfect for the tailgating. How fortunate we to live here when we see the weather all over the country and what's happening with sports. Imagine putting on a sporting event here over the next three days. Basketball, NBA, a hockey game, any bowl game, and having to deal with the weather that's gripping the rest of the country, and we have it so good out here. All right, one more time for phone calls before the top of the hour on what you expect this game to be. What do you see? Close your eyes unless you're driving. What do you see developing in this game where the Raiders can put it away, where Raiders can play with a lead? Where do you see the opening, the advantage between these two teams? Because I think they're going to try to take Josh Jacobs out of the game. And Waller and Renthrow are back. And Waller and Renthrow, no more of this, hey, it's going to take him a couple of weeks. No, no, this is an elimination game. No, 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 not going to take him a couple of weeks. Now, 
has to happen now. Renfro's got to have eight receptions for 90 yards. Waller, six receptions for 110 yards and a touchdown. Whatever it is, get him going. And when it's back up against the wall time, go to Devontae. Let Devontae make a catch. I don't care what the weather looks like. You cannot debate with me that Devontae can't catch a three-yard slant and go 11 yards or 30 yards. Get the ball to Devontae. Those players don't want to guard Devontae. Let him see Devontae early in the game. Get his hands on the ball so he can get off to a good start. Uh, Top of the hour, the head coach of the Raiders, Josh McDaniels. Please come back for that. Raiders only three up by the line of scrimmage. Mac Jones hands it off on a draw to Ramondre Stevenson. Breaks out of a tackle at the 50. Has the 45. Breaks away from another tackle. Pitches it backwards. And now Jacoby Myers spinning around. He throws it to Chandler Jones in midfield. And a step forward. Chandler Jones racing towards the end zone. It scores. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe what I just saw. Again! I can't believe what I just saw. This is unbelievable. (laughs) Wow! On the first night of Hanukkah, it's a miracle in Las Vegas. Chandler Jones picks off a lateral, and the Raiders win 30-24. That was an interesting play to hear that because Jason Horowitz was in shock when he said pitch back to Chandler Jones. Like, pitch back. You were the play-by-play voice in the 400 level looking down and you see that ball go up in the air and you're wondering, it's going to be caught by a Patriot? No, it's Chandler Jones. And Jason on that great call said the stiff arm and he was able to see the stiff arm. Remember, he's not watching that on TV. He's watching that from a pretty high up vantage point. That was a really good play-by-play call. Thanks to Jason and Lincoln for everything they do for us. Lincoln, especially on Raiders Roundtable. You'll hear that. Uh, Bobby and I put together part of the second hour because George Atkinson joined us. So if you didn't catch it, please listen. It's great to hear George, who's Raider. He's a Raider legend, one of Mark Davis's best friends, along with Cliff Branch, who passed away. And George doesn't do much radio or podcasting, so we're able to do that. Head coach coming up here in a few minutes on the flagship. So one of the things I wanted to share with you about this week is we had Frank O'Hara scheduled for today. True. We had Frank O'Hara. I didn't make a big deal out of it this week. I didn't want to. Phil, who joined us yesterday, Phil today was going to the banquet tonight, and he was going to have Franco with him and give Franco the phone. So that was done. That was done. You know how important Phil is to me. That was done. So I didn't promote it. I wasn't going to promote it because I was going to promote it kind of yesterday. Franco dies, and I'm sitting here going, forget about the interview. I just care about Franco's family. But we would have had Franco on today going into that game, and that would have been a hell of an interview for a few minutes. I think most of it would have been Phil laughing, giving the phone to Franco, Franco talking maybe two, three minutes with us and us congratulating him on the 50th year of this. But that didn't happen. Here's a small portion of Franco's last interview with Christopher Mad Dog Russo. Did you ever think here today, that night, driving home, this is a play we're going to be talking about 100 years from now, 50 years from now? Did you think there was that kind of meaningful play when you made it? You know what? Uh, it's it's interesting. I tell people that 
during most of the seventies, we never talked about that play. You know what I mean? And, 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 and I think back and I said, well, looking at the seventies, that's a good thing because we had hell of a run during the seventies. Oh my gosh. You know, like the next eight years to be in, uh, six championship games and, uh, four Super Bowls, that was an incredible run. And so here we are setting new standards, doing new things, and and we did not have a chance to reflect back. Now, once we, once we retired, we start to reflect back that when did it start? And we look at 1972. With your 1972 catch. 1972 was an unbelievable. Well, first of all, it was an unbelievable year, right? We went 11 and 3. The last winning season the Steelers had was in 1963. And so here it is, 1972, almost 10 years later. And we go 11 and 3. And as, we, as you mentioned, you know, we won the, you know, the first playoff game ever for the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Immaculate Reception was the first playoff, first playoff touchdown in Steelers playoff history. So you have all of this and uh and you know won a playoff game and now this is my rookie year right right and and now the next week we played the miami dolphins one game away from the super bowl how incredible is that As you know rookie. your rookie year the worst team ever in nfl history more losing season than anybody else and right now we're one game away from the Super Bowl. Off but your Miami catch. had Miami had a great team that year, and they beat us in that championship game. But that left the taste in our mouth and laid the foundation for what we were to do. And uh, boy, did we do it with four Super Bowl wings and playing six championship games during those eight years. Pretty amazing when you think about how bad that team was. That's Franco's last ever interview on Sirius XM with Mad Dog Russo. Who would have thought that was the last conversation he'd ever have on radio? And they were the worst team in football. They were what the Lions are like now still. That was the Steelers. And the Raiders should have been in the championship game against the Dolphins. And you could say that the Raiders matched up better with the Dolphins and the Steelers. All those teams played in the 70s. That's why I believe it's the greatest uh, era in the history of the NFL. And they'll celebrate that tonight back in Pittsburgh without Franco there but with his family. Phil Villapiano and others. Mike Ciani, Raider great, Raider wide receiver, great with the alumni. And that's going to be a special night. And then we'll see what happens on Saturday. Saturday, join us at M Resort Spa and Casino right there. You know where we're at, right outside the Raiders Tavern and Grill. Christmas Eve with Eric Allen. That'll be fun at the pregame show before the game and the postgame show. It'll be a long Christmas Eve night. Hopefully the Raiders win. Head coach Josh McDaniels next. Next.